0: Serious question, how are you doing? Last week I came across a study by the New Zealand Mental Health Foundation. Uh, The study surveyed a 1,000 Kiwis right across New Zealand and it asked them the question, how are you doing? How would you describe or how would you rate your emotional well-being? Well, do you know what they said? Over one in three Kiwis, over one in three Kiwis, 36% of us say that our emotional well-being is poor, or very poor. 36%. That's up from 27% just a year ago. The number of New Zealanders struggling with high levels of stress and anxiety has risen sharply over the last two years. And I guess it's no surprise. Social isolation, relational breakdown, economic hardship, ongoing uncertainty, these have all taken an enormous toll on so many of us and on those we love. We're facing a crisis in this country, a crisis of anxiety. People are feeling weary and and burdened. According to the Royal Royal College of GPs, about a third, a third of of doctors' visits are now related to mental or emotional health. Now, it's often very important to seek out the advice and the wisdom of a medical professional. But if we were to consult Jesus, the great physician, I wonder what he would say to us today. Listen to these well-known words from Matthew chapter 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, in these words, Jesus is giving us a kind of prescription or an antidote for the weariness and the anxiety that many of us are carrying. Let's work slowly through what he says line by line. I mean, Jesus starts in verse 28 by saying, come to me, come to me, come. I I recently saw a sign outside a church that said, God's favorite word is come. Yes, Jesus says, go, go and make disciples. And yes, Jesus says, give, give your life away in service of the gospel. Yes, Jesus says, share and teach and care. But his favorite word is come. Come to me. Jesus calls us to himself. Daryl Johnson writes these words. He says, Christianity began on Palestinian soil as a relationship with a person. It moved on to Greek soil and became a philosophy. It moved on to Roman soil and became an institution. It moved on to British soil and it became a culture. It moved onto American soil and it became an enterprise. And yes, I mean, Christianity is a philosophy. It's the most coherent and encompassing of all philosophies. And and Christianity is an institution. It's the most redemptive and life-giving of all institutions, or it's supposed to be. And Christianity is a culture. It's the most inclusive and transformative of cultures. Christianity is an enterprise, the grandest imaginable, the enterprise of restoring the entire cosmos. But Christianity is essentially a person. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Or as some translations say, come to me, all you who are weary and overburdened. In the English language, verbs have, well, they function in two voices, the active voice and the passive voice. But in Greek language, the original language, verbs have three voices, the active, the passive, and the the middle voice. Active, I love you. Passive, I am loved. Middle, I love myself. The phrase here, all you who are burdened, is in the middle voice. It's literally all you who have overburdened yourselves, Come to me, all you who have overburdened yourselves. Much of the time, excessive weariness, Jesus says, is our own doing. We look to our own ability, our own resources to address the challenge that we're facing. We look to other frail, finite human beings to give us a sense of our worth. We look to our own efforts or performance or wealth or whatever it is to get a sense of significance or identity. I remember once reading um, the words from Madonna, the, the pop star, who, who said this. this. She said, I have an iron will, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past a you know um a spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I, I get to another stage and think I'm I'm mediocre and uninteresting. Again and again, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, always pushing me, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and it probably never will. That's what she said. Much of the time, excessive weariness is our own doing. What's wearying you? What's burdening you at the moment? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and have overburdened yourselves, and I will give you rest. Rest. That word takes us back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Where God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all his work. What does it mean to say that God rested? God ceased from all activity? God shifted into neutral, so to speak? No. God rested means that God entered into the reason for which God created. In the song of creation, you know, recorded in Genesis chapter 1, we hear this recurring refrain, and it was evening and morning. It was evening and morning day one. It was evening and morning day two. It was evening and morning day three and day four, day five, day six. And then there's no evening and morning on day seven because day seven has no end. Day seven is why God made the world. God rested means that God has entered into the reason that God God bothered with creation. God rested means God's entered into the wholeness that he intends for creation Come to me, all you who are weary and have overburdened yourselves, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. I will lead you into the wholeness for which you were originally created. That's what Jesus offers us. That's what Jesus calls us into. But how do we receive that offer? How do we enter into that wholeness? Well, he says, take my yoke upon you. What? What? Taking up a yoke will give us rest? That's bizarre. What a a bizarre vaccine for weariness. A yoke is a harness placed on on the neck of of an ox to make it it pull a heavy plow or or, or a loaded cart. In the ancient world, yokes were often placed on the shoulders of slaves and captives to make them pull heavy burdens. The yoke is a symbol of oppression. It's a metaphor for hard work, heavy work. So what's going on here? Well, notice Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Jesus is telling us that we're weary because we're wearing the wrong yoke. Every person wears a yoke. The question is not, will I wear a yoke, but whose yoke will I wear? Jesus says, wear my yoke. Wear the yoke that I wear, Which, which begs the question, what is his yoke? The rabbis of Jesus' day used to talk about the yoke of the law, and so some commentators, they've concluded that Jesus' yoke here is his new law, his new Torah, his instructions on the Sermon on the Mount. But is that what Jesus is referring to in this text? No. Not according to Matthew. Jesus' yoke, the yoke that he himself wears, is his relationship with the one he calls Father. I mean, look at verse 25. Jesus says there, it says at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden all these things from the the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. I mean, Jesus is praying here. To his father. He's worshipping his father. He's expressing trust in his father, in his father's sovereignty and wisdom. And then in verse 27, he says, All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father. No one knows the father except the son. Do you see what he's saying there? Jesus is rejoicing in his relationship with his father. This very special, selfless, committed, intimate beautiful relationship that he and his father have enjoyed from the beginning of time. And from within that relationship, from within that intimacy, from within that conversation, Jesus turns to us and says, now come, come, take up the yoke that you see me wearing. My yoke is my relationship with my father, and I am calling you to join me in it. Isn't that breathtaking when you think about it? In Thomas Torrance's words, we've been given entry into the inner fellowship of God's life. In other words, we've been given the most most exclusive VIP pass in, in the history of the cosmos. Jesus says, come in, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You may have heard the story about four people on a plane. They'd lost all power on the plane and it was you know, in a nosedive plummeting towards the ground. The pilot announced the problem and added, there are four of us, but only three parachutes. It's my plane, my parachutes. I'm going to take one of them. He strapped the parachute on and jumped to safety. Left on the aircraft was was a brilliant professor, a rocket scientist, no less, a minister of religion and a backpacker. The professor jumped to his feet announcing, I am one of the the greatest minds in the country. I must survive. I must take one of the remaining parachutes. He strapped on a pack and jumped. And then the elderly minister started to explain to the young traveler, look, I've lived a a long life. I I don't fear death. You take the last parachute. Uh, She stopped him and she said, no, 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 it's fine. That brilliant professor just jumped out with my backpack strapped on. As humans... We have an innate tendency to exalt ourselves over over others. We have an innate tendency to to prioritise our own interests over that of others. But not Jesus. He says, come to me and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. I will not berate you for overburdening yourself. I will not. I I know why you get yourself in such a knot, why you choose to live for other goals, why why you end up wearing other yokes. I understand. And I'm gentle and humble. Come, let me lead you out of your old ways and into my way. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden is light. What's Jesus' burden? If his yoke is his relationship with the Father, his burden is pleasing his Father. In John's Gospel, he says, "I only do what I see my Father doing. I only see what I, I say, what I hear my Father saying." In Luke's Gospel, he says, "Did you not know that I had to be about my Father's business?" Reflecting on these words, Daryl Johnson says, "Jesus lives his whole career, if we can use that word of him, for an audience of one. He's driven, again, if we can use that word of Jesus, to please the Father." Nothing less, nothing more. I mean, yes, I mean, the needs and the cries of the crowds around him, they arouse his compassion. But those needs and those cries, they don't set his agenda. Jesus is not driven to please the crowds. He's not trying to please the religious teachers. He feels no need to to please Herod or Pilate or anyone else for that matter. He lives to please his father. That's his burden. And he says it's light. A little little earlier in this chapter, verse 20, Matthew says that the towns of Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum, they're they're rejecting his ministry. Uh, They they say he's in cahoots. Jesus is in cahoots with the devil. They think he's out of his mind. They want to stone him to death. His ministry appears to be an abject failure. His congregation is dwindling. His ministry leaders are, are, are complaining. His elders aren't supporting him. I mean, it's kind of like he's he's coaching the New Zealand Warriors during their worst ever slump. The players aren't performing. The fans are leaving in droves. The investors are pulling their funding. And yet here he is, praising his father, delighting in his father, trusting his father, rejoicing. His burden is to please the father. His father. And that burden is light. So again, let me ask you, how are you doing? How would you rate your well-being today? Are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Have you perhaps overburdened yourself? Are you anxious? Are you troubled? Henry Nouwen, the Catholic priest and scholar, was once struggling with some complicated issues. And he was in Rome and he had the opportunity to meet with Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who, who was also visiting the city at that time. And after he'd shared some of his struggles with her, Mother Teresa said to him, spend one hour a day adoring your Lord and never do anything which you know is wrong and you will be fine. What spiritual practice outside of our gathered worship helps you to focus on Jesus and adore your Lord? Give yourself to that practice. Prioritize that practice. Yes, when it comes to mental and emotional health, medical professionals and clinical psychologists are very important. But according to Jesus, the ultimate antidote for anxiety is an invitation. Come to me, you who will you who, who who are weary from the harsh realities of life. You who have overburdened yourselves, perhaps, trying to please and impress everyone. Take up my yoke, Jesus says. Join me in my relationship with the Father. Enter into my intimacy with, with the Father. Make it your goal, your burden, to please Him above all else. And you will live and work out of a soul at rest. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your invitation to us. You know the burdens that we carry. You know the, the weariness in our souls. And you know the burdens and the weariness of our loved ones, those we journey with and those that we, we care about. We bring ourselves we bring them to you now we come we come during this final song lord jesus as we as we listen as we worship help us to focus on you and to receive the rest that you offer amen